0: again. We are exploding the world is gonna know it's it like you're never gonna see us again. on over
1: Good evening everyone. It is ten PM and Pure Gold is live and on the air for this Tuesday night, February twenty first, two thousand and twelve. Welcome to the show that covers Everything and anything, and tells it like it is. My name is Joe Pacino, along with my tag team partner and co-host, David Gomez. Sir, how are you doing this evening?
0: I'm doing wonderful, sir. Excited, ready, willing, and able to get this Pure Gold show
1: on the road. I hear you. Let's give out some contact information, sir.
0: Folks, as always, if you'd like to be a part of the show, make sure to call us, 714 364 4721 once again that number 714-364 4721 if you would like to check out our past episodes you can always do that at puregoldpg.com of course on our website one of the best websites you can find one of the best websites you can come across you can check out our twitter joe and i both have separate accounts you can check out our facebook of course you can check out our youtube and it's been a while since we did a youtube video sir but Nevertheless, you can check out our past videos there And of course, you can hear all of the past episodes, all of the past interviews The 51 or so that we have done, the 51 different guests Exciting, amazing, and wonderful, as always, sir
1: Rapidly approaching episode number 100
0: Yes, sir, we will be there by the end of next month, I believe
1: Sweet, so let's introduce, what, our 52nd or 53rd guest?
0: This this would actually be number uh, number 52, sir. We are very excited, very privileged to be joined by the one and only Francesca Zappatelli. Francesca, how are you doing this evening? I am well. Hello, hello. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm doing fabulous. We're both doing fabulous. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, normally when I introduce a guest, I would say, uh, you know, baseball player for this team, football player for this team, Miss USA, et cetera, et cetera. But in your case, there's so many different things that you do and that you have done in your in your uh, life. Uh, you know, checking out the bio on your website, it's just too many to count. But, uh, you know, you've studied <laughs> acting, you play played the piano, drama, public speaking, among so many other things. Now, if I were to ask you to pinpoint which is your favorite, do you have a favorite or are you one of those like, Jill of all trades, master of none, type of person.
2: Well, I I don't want to be a jack of all trades. I really want to, you know, master and not be mediocre at anything I do. I want to be the right, best. right before I move on to something new. I'm definitely a life adventurer. I love to try different things, be different things, and once I achieve a level of success that I'm satisfied with, I moved to the next school. Life right, so live
0: right. to be lived, okay. my friend. <laughs> this is very true. This is very true. Now uh one thing that really caught my eye in, in the bio was of course the pro wrestling part and I know that you and I spoke very briefly about this off the air. Um you know you were training to be a pro wrestler at the University of Professional Wrestling. Now this is a twofold question. First of all, what in the world is the university of pro wrestling?
2: And of course, you
0: know tell us what got you interested in training for wrestling?
2: Okay, UPW was a WWE affiliate school in California Um, back in the day. We're going about, when did it close? It closed about two years ago. And since I was a little girl, I loved wrestling. I watch it with my grandma. I think anyone who becomes a wrestler has to be a bit of a fan. And I've always been athletic, and I've always loved acting, and I like dressing up in superhero costumes, and the travel, and live theater and wrestling combines all of that.
0: Right, right. <laughs> this is true.
2: Right. And then I found out about UPW, tried out, made it, and proceeded to go forward on my wrestling training career. And I had um dark Master WWE, and that was really exciting. WWE was the goal originally, but as I proceeded with the whole industry, more wasn't what I thought it would be dated. And then I chose to actually get more into MMA and go the indie circuit, which was interesting. It's totally the rest of the movie, which then led me to making a movie about my wrestling journey.
0: Oh, ballerina I'm not Now uh, Of course you, you haven't ended up Like the wrestler Thank God for that Because that, that movie Joe and I actually Watched it together He's the one Who convinced me To watch it and it's a great film, but at the end of it, I was just like, "Wow, that's that's not what I was hoping for." I'm a happy ending kind of guy. Um, yeah. So you you went you went to the university, you know, UPW. You you trained and everything, and like you said, you, you, your goal was the WWE. And what I find interesting is that you know you talk to people, whether it's independent wrestlers or people who are trying, and uh, for for someone such as yourself who just so happens to be of the uh, female persuasion, the WWE uh, th- there's just not much there, and it's unfortunate. Because women's wrestling can be popular. Women's wrestling has many fans. You know, we, we've we interviewed people from uh, women superstars, uh, Uncensored, and, you know, obviously that's all women's wrestling. But in the WWE, yeah. when you watch it, I mean, they have women with, like, farting gimmicks, and they have women who are, you know, terrible actresses or can't wrestle or look like models, but that's <laughs> it. I mean, it, it's unfortunate. As a fan, you don't really get to see that. And, and the women's wrestling tends to be the bathroom break for most people, sadly enough. Now, what was it specifically that disillusioned you about the whole WWE and the training process? Because I'm curious about that.
2: Well, that definitely is a, a big part of it. Back in the day when I was a wrestling mark, you know, in the 80s to the 90s, I loved Trish status and Vida, and they were athletic fitness women and they had proper matches, and they were true athletes. With someone down the road... Wrestling disintegrated to models and pure fluff, fallaciousness, and it really, um, really became a boys club. And I'm like, this is not what I wanted wanted to be an athlete. I am an athlete, which led me to New Japan Pro Wrestling, which is more shoot fighting. Right. And that was great. But then I'm a realist at the end of the day, a realist, optimist. And the lifespan of a Japanese female pro wrestler, it's four years, and they were tired, oh. all broken, not quite as bad as McFoley, but broken. Right, right. And then I'm like, what am I doing? It started out so romantic, and I romanticized everything in my head. Then reality kicked me in the face. You don't make money on the indie circuit. It's really a hard-knock life, like the wrestler movie. And I, you have no respect as a female wrestler. You're really a valet, and you're subservient to the men. Um, So from there, I branched out to um, Lucha, which was fun um, and very respectful, where I found WWE, um, you really were treated like um, a second-class citizen. The men ruled everything. And there's no union. We're in acting. We have a union. Our rights are protected. WWE has no union. It's really horrible what goes on behind the scenes.
1: Wow. So is it safe to say that you... You, do you still like wrestling after all that experience?
2: <laughs> well, I, I'm not quite a, quite the fan that I was before. I like the UFC more, and I'll always um, love wrestling, especially doing a live show. There's nothing like it. Live crowds, getting dressed right. up, the adrenaline, um, and the pressure of being live, that you can't mess up your spot. you got to be on point, because this is a live show, and putting on a good show for the people. Nothing like it.
1: Just, just out of curiosity, um, what was your wrestling name? Frankie. Frankie? Oh. Just Frankie?
2: Frankie. Just Frankie.
1: And um, who actually mentored you, and who did you grow up idolizing? Is there anybody in the wrestling business?
2: Um, I originally was trained with the Ballard Brothers at UPW, um, the hardcore kid, Aaron Aguilera, And then um, Nakamura at New Japan, and I had had lots of trainers, a bunch of luchadores, which were really good. As for my wrestling heroes, um, I'm a big fan of The Rock to to this day. I love how he's crossed over from wrestling to acting to go back to wrestling. I think that's great.
0: Right, right, of course. (laughs)
2: Hey, I got to um, love my fellow Canadian wrestlers, Chris Jericho. Really happy he's going to be at WrestleMania again.
0: Love Chris Jericho. Big fan of his wrestling.
2: Awesome.
1: Yeah. I also see that you dabbled in some production. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Well, after having this bittersweet epiphany and journey with wrestling and living in LA and being an in, in adventurer, enterprising Italian woman that I am, I'm like, why not produce a movie about wrestling? Mm-hmm. So I started a production company, raised the money, and made a feature film called Ballerina I'm Not, which follows three different female fighters around, three different parallel storylines, and then it meets in the middle and shows a journey that these women have to take um, who choose to be a fighter and why they choose to be fighters.
0: Now, in the movie, um, is this, I know you said it's based on your experiences, but is this kind of like a retelling, or is it more of like, you just took a little bit of experience and then turned it into like a fictional fictionalized story of your life.
2: No, it's a documentary feature. It's definitely a true okay. story. It's definitely a part of my life, and it's all true. The other two girls, nice. too, they're just incredible women.
0: Now, is the film out? Can people see it?
2: Not yet. I have it in a bunch of film festivals. I have the trailer up on the website, Okay. Yeah. Dot com and I'm pursuing distribution for the summer, so it'll be out real soon.
0: Uh, do you do you think that um, you mentioned you're pursuing the distribution? Is it? um is it looking good? I mean, are we going to be able to watch this soon? I, you know, because I'm curious. Like, I, I find that type of stuff interesting. You mentioned the wrestler. We talked about it a couple times here. Um, like I said, that was a great movie because it looked so legitimate. Like they went, they got yeah. actual independent wrestlers, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, um, you know, when do you think, are the prospects looking good or when do you think we're going to be able to see it?
2: It's looking really good. I've already had one offer that any shrewd business person knows. You never go with your first offer, <laughs> so it's looking good. I'm hoping um, to actually have uh, TV premiere and then go straight to DVD. Nice. And that nice. looks like the route that we're going to take.
0: Well, you know, of course, the DVDs. You'll be able to to make some money and you will get it out there. And you know, who knows? Maybe we'll, we'll be at Walmart and, and check it out and be able to to purchase it at a place like that. Um, you know.
2: Definitely.
0: Oh, you mentioned the whole MMA thing, which I'm curious about. You talked wrestling. You talk to the movie and the movie of course is the whole part of the, the whole MMA wrestling thing. Now, how did your experience when it comes to mixed martial arts go? You know,
2: I'm a very, very competitive person. I think that's really what's driven me to follow different careers and who want to the next career and really grow as a human being. And MMA is the you know, most competitive career or sport you can ever do. I I loved it. The training was so grueling Um, And you really felt empowered as a woman, you know, like you kick anyone's butt. And that's that's a great way to feel as a woman, not to be afraid to go anywhere. Not that I'm saying go be reckless and go walk the streets at night or anything like that, but really able to keep your chin up high and not be afraid because so often women are afraid upon. And that's originally what got me to pursue MMA training um, as a teenager, was just so I wouldn't be afraid, so I could defend myself in my travels. And then pursuing it full-time as, like, a career choice, oh, you, you get in a great shape. It's the life of an athlete. It's great. But I found out I didn't really have the Kahuna to be an MMA fighter. <laughs> Those guys are, they're, they're bad box shots. Like, to be able to take face punches, that just wasn't my thing. I guess I'm a little bit of a girly girl. That's why I like pro wrestling. No face punches. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, I've always said. Yeah. Right. You know, I talked to my wife and uh, and and I mentioned, uh, you know, mentioned on the show several times that I have a four month old daughter, and we've talked about how, you know, when she gets older, we want her to have the opportunities, do whatever she wants, uh, you know, as far as careers and everything. But one thing that I really, really pray to God that, and I hope not, and I, I won't encourage. (laughs) You know, as a parent, I don't want her to get into fighting. I don't want her to get punched in the face. I don't want her to, you know, to get hurt. Like, that, that type of stuff worries me because I like wrestling. My wife is like, well, what are you going to do if she watch? you know, you watch wrestling, and what are you, you going to do? I'm just hoping and praying that that's not the case because, like you said, that kind of scares me that I thought of, her, you know, kid getting punched in the face.
2: It is. And, like, I like my amateur fights when I had headgear. That was all good. But when I came to take off that headgear, I'm like, oh, no way. No way. So I I was glad I didn't have to take it any further. But more power to the people that do, that have the chops um, or whatever you want to call it, to really um, be a fighter. I think all women and girls and young, young women, just knowing basic martial arts is definitely an advantage for them.
0: Yeah,
1: I think we should uh, switch gears and, and stop talking about violence after all this is pure gold and we try to keep it PG.
2: <laughs> Just let, me, of course. let me ask That's you.
1: Nice. Yeah, the the greatest sensation since of bread apparently is Jeremy Lin, and I'm looking at my notes here. Talk, to, uh, talk to us about, it says Jeremy Lin's pitbull rescue. What's what's that all about?
2: Oh, I didn't put a comma, because on Twitter you can only, uh, you know, you so many characters. So, wow, things I, I'm, uh, fan of right now is Jeremy Lin And Pitbull Rescue Kind of for the same reason um, I'm just blown away by Jeremy Lin First of all he goes against the grain Any underdog I think is phenomenal And how he is not A stereotype He went to an Ivy League school He wasn't a scholarship athlete He wasn't even drafted out of college And yet here he is now New York Knicks starting lineup And then he's not caught up at all And that's so refreshing Stereotypically, ballers are totally caught up. And he's not at all. And this shows you not everyone is the stereotype that, you know, they could be.
0: Right. And people yeah, Rescue,
2: yeah. go ahead.
0: No, no, sorry. I I want you want to going your because... show here? <laughs> no, no, no. You know what it is? Since like you mentioned the whole. Um, comma, you missed it. And I I, I didn't know what, what you were talking about. I didn't I had no idea what Jeremy Lynn's pit bull rescue was. So when I typed up the notes I was like, Well I guess he's doing a pit bull thing and she's into that. So uh talk talk about that and then I'll get back to Jeremy Lynn.
2: Uh a pit bull rescue? Well I have a pit bull. And again, another um stereotype breed that there's these evil vicious dogs and unfortunately, yeah, there there has been some evil vicious pit bulls. But not the whole breed is evil and vicious. It's all how you raise them. And my right. purple, escaped escape breeds flew in my backyard in L.A., and I had to go um, to an L.A. dog shelter. Luckily enough, uh, he was found and brought there. And I was blown away how many dogs were at the shelter. Uh, there were 300 beautiful dogs, and not just pimples, little terriers and chihuahuas. And every five days, 300 dogs were put down. Wow. And I have done some work with pin for pops, that kind of thing, pin-up for bulls. I have no idea how many beautiful dogs are being put down and how important it is really to adopt and rescue and save a dog and, you know, breed them and buy them.
0: Well, yeah, you know, it's interesting. So many people... So I'm not a dog person myself, but obviously I'm. I've never been one, you know. Animal cruelty. I think that's, that stuff is terrible. I think you know you should. If you like animals, if you like pets, you should adopt them and take care of them and stuff. I had a cat for a while, so you know, big big fan of the the, the felines there. Now you, you talked about Jeremy Lin, and and I, I want to go back to that for a second because what I find fascinating about about his situation, other than the fact that he's a he's an Asian player in New York, which is you know rare. Let's face it, there's not that many who play who play uh, pro basketball. Um, and he's been so successful in a short time with the Knicks. But of course, you know, he, I look at him and he, to me, he's the next Tim Tebow. And obviously you had Tim Tebow with his whole situation in the, you know, football, being a Christian, his faith and everything, you know, kind of blown out of proportion uh, in, in measures to his talent but obviously a good role model nonetheless, whether you're a Christian or not. And then when you have Jeremy, you know, they have that in common. They have their faith in common. Um, you know, both Christians, both very humble, you know, interesting guys. Now, um, did you follow Tim Tebow at all? Or, or you know, you, obviously you on Lynn, so uh, did you check out yeah, Mr., uh, Mr. Tebow? I thought I thought it was hilarious when he threw for
2: 316 yards that
0: oh, one yeah. game. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, he had... 316, the yardage, uh, his uh, his y- average yards per pass were like 31.6. Uh, the rating for the game was a 31.6. So he had the whole John 316 thing going yeah. in there, and everybody everybody was so fascinated by that. But uh, you know that 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 whole story to me, you know, as a Christian, it's interesting because you have these these two guys who may not be as talented as other people, and typically in, in our society, you kind of get looked down upon for whatever reason based on your faith. If you're christian was. you kind of get looked down upon that. So to me, like I said, the, the both stories are so fascinating, and they're, they're both in such a prominent place that, you know, it's nice to see that kind of stuff uh, from the media where people are going to rip them regardless, but with so many fans and admirers, you know.
2: I'm definitely, yeah, I agree with you. And I'm definitely a Christian myself. And what is that one quote that, as God's children, who are we not all to shine and shine bright? And it's just nice right. to see these people with that success who definitely have faith and are thanking God. Because it's through Him definitely. The doors open and greatness is achieved. And I've definitely seen Him for in my
1: life. Wouldn't be here without Him. Yeah.
0: Definitely, definitely. Some some good stuff there.
1: Now, can you tell our fans listening what uh, upcoming projects do you have in the near future?
2: Well, I'm Ballerina, I'm not. Shall be out in the summer, and I hope you all okay. check it out and love it. And then I have mm-hmm. an upcoming sure project called Embryo, which, again, that probably won't get till, that'll be out more in the fall of next year. we just be getting the post in the summer. And I'm developing a bunch of other projects, so just watch out. I got lots of stuff cooking.
1: So is it safe to say that maybe an Oscar is in your future?
2: (laughs) Definitely. That is a goal. And anything is possible. You make a plan, you can achieve that goal. And I love a long shot and going against the odds. You just never know.
1: There you go.
0: (laughs) That definitely uh, would be interesting. And like you mentioned, of course, we'd love to check out the film. When it does come out, um, one thing before we let you go, I noticed on your IMDB, you've actually done quite a bit of acting already. Can you tell us a bit about that?
2: I'm working on it, definitely. I've done a lot of indie projects, quite a few short films, and like wrestling, you don't just start out good. You have to build your resume. I've been in acting class for over six years, just working on the craft and honing it. And I I love it. It's just lots of fun, and particularly action films too, because I get to combine the athleticism and stunts that I learned in wrestling with acting. So
0: it puts good use to everything that I've learned in my journey. <laughs> yeah, it, it allows you to, um, you know, get the violence out of your system and also, uh, you know, be <laughs> able to act and stuff. And, you know, I was coming to you, Joe, as I listen to you talk, and, you know, you're, you definitely have quite the personality, and you, you sound like an actress, but I mean that in a good way. I don't mean like, all oh, your acting, you know, but you sound very fluid. You sound like you really, you know. You, you, you sound like you're quite the character, and we definitely look forward to uh, you know some big things from you in the future. Now, of course, tell our fans, how can they uh, get a hold of you or uh, or follow what's going on in your career?
2: You can check me out on my website, com. I'm also The Oracle on Twitter. Well, on my website, I have um, links to my Twitter and my Facebook and my LinkedIn and YouTube, all that other social network. That's so Francesca without an H because I'm Italian. So it's F R A N C E S C A Zappatelli. Oh, wait, you're Italian? Zappatelli. Oh, I'm Italian. How's it going oh, how to like, like, Italian? I'm how are you doing? The last thing I like about Italian is I don't know.
1: How are you doing? You want to come zone?
0: But the funny thing is that Joe is actually, uh, I think you missed the very beginning of the show. Uh, Joe is actually Italian also. So when when I saw your, you know, I'm, I'm typing it up and I'm giving him the notes, I'm like, man, this is a super Italian name. Francesca <laughs> Zappatelli. There, there, there's no uh, doubt, there's no doubt, uh, no confusing what you are. Exactly. <laughs> but listen, Francesca, we really, really appreciate you giving us a few minutes. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the air. And, of course, we definitely would love to have you on in the future when the film does come out. Um, you know, just keep us posted to the weekend. Uh, promote it to the uh, Pure Gold listening audience. Definitely.
2: I'll definitely get you a copy. And thank you, gentlemen. Have a beautiful night.
0: You too. Ciao.
2: Yeah.
0: Folks, that was – ciao, look at that. Ciao, she's going to go have a cannoli right now, sir. Uh, that was the one and only Francesca Zappatelli. And, of course, you can check her out, francescazappatelli.com, uh, her Twitter and all that other good stuff, sir. Um, quite the uh, – yeah, we had a little Italian thing going on here, Sarah. I was I felt a little bit left out of the loop.
1: Yeah, I mean, she might fall in the famous footsteps of Roberto Benigni and get an Oscar for her upcoming movie.
0: Hey, you never know. Um, like like she said, you can check uh, her website and she has links to everything. And I saw the trailer for the movie, which is interesting because you know I was doing research for for her specifically. Um, yeah. I think she followed me on Twitter, and I went to look, and I was like, well, you know, she's got she's got some interesting stuff here. And she's done so many things. I mean, literally, like, there, there's too many things. We, would have, we could have talked to her for an hour about all the things that she's involved in. But it's cool to see somebody who, you know, did their thing in the indies, and then, of course, the documentary. That, to me, th- that type of stuff is fascinating to me. I like documentaries, sir. And, and that's why I liked and disliked The Wrestler so much. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I know you did. I A mean... little
0: more, a little less, sir. A
1: little more, a little less, exactly. Speaking of a little more, a little less. How little less was that uh, pay-per-view this past Sunday, known as Elimination Chamber?
0: Oh please! Uh, I mean, uh, four I mean, matches. Come four on four on matches. On. Come on, sir. You, yeah, I know that you know we're going to have our next guest calling in soon, so we may have to get back to this in a second. But, sir, um, you got to tell me. You absolutely have to tell me. How does the WWE seriously put up a pay-per-view with four announced matches? Well,
1: they did. I mean, they just did this past Sunday. It was known as an elimination chamber.
0: <laughs> I just don't even understand. And then, sir, to, to, to top it off, they throw in a slot box of a match between Jack Swagger and Justin Gabriel for the U.S. title. I mean, seriously, that title that could have been, they're not even on the same show, first of all. But that could have been built up. It could have been interesting. It could have been done well. You could have had a U.S. you know battle royal. You could have had anything, sir. But instead, you have a, a, a two second match. I... I Sarah, honestly, I don't know what the heck the WWE is doing at times. Well, most of the times
1: we don't know what they're doing either because they're very unpredictable. But to be honestly, to be honest with you, uh, this pay-per-view was so predictable. I don't see why anybody would have bought it. I don't. You know, we talked about it last week. We said Daniel Bryan is probably going to retain the title, and we thought that CM Punk would retain the title. So the rest is. Of and, and you know, the other match is a throwaway match to me because you know that John Cena has to be Kane because that feud got be over with.
0: Of course. And and speaking of that feud, you know, what a mess that was. That was an absolute joke. I don't know what they were thinking. This whole embrace the hate thing did not work. Uh, Cena, you know, Cena cut a great promo on The Rock, which we could touch on later. Like I said, we're kind of expecting our our uh, second guest to call in at any time. But, I mean, I don't even know. I don't even know what the point of all that was, sir. You've got Eve turning heel last night with her little speech. You got Cena and Kane finishing up their ridiculous feud. I thought there was so much potential. There, I thought there was so much hope. And instead, sir, I embraced the hate and I absolutely loathed the storyline and I loathed the entire situation. I, I I hated the whole thing, sir. That's the only hate I, that I embraced.
1: I mean, we saw it from a mile away that we didn't know. We didn't. We knew that this this whole storyline, this whole angle, would end weird because we knew that John Cena was already had an opponent for WrestleMania. So. I just think that they finally, you know, got to the end of the storyline. They finally just finally come to the conclusion that they really messed up. I don't think uh, they've proven anything beyond a shadow of a doubt that, you know, you can't make John Cena heal that way. It just doesn't work.
0: Yeah, uh, you, you you just can't. And then I don't know if you heard um, if you heard his little speech last night, but he's still he's still with the people. He's still doing his thing. I mean, there's no. If ands, or buts that he's not a heel, that he has not even come closer to being a heel. In fact, it's only pushed him closer to the crowd in terms of, uh, you know, his resolution. So the whole storyline made absolutely no sense.
1: I mean, the only thing I could think of, and I don't know know how many times we go down this road, sir, and uh, we definitely need to have, like, the gentleman from Chair Shot Reality, we need to get Pyro on as we go to the road to WrestleMania now that we have no more pay-per-views in between. But we do need to find out, like... Is The Rock going to beat John Cena at WrestleMania, and is that what going to turn John Cena heel? Is he going to turn on the fans because everyone's going to be cheering for The Rock? Is that the moment that we're going to be waiting for? I mean, I hope so, but...
0: If if The Rock loses to Cena in his hometown, I mean, I mean, what is the point of that? Is, is The Rock trying to... Is he there to get John Cena over? Because he, he hasn't. That hasn't helped. If anything, John Cena has been further buried by this whole storyline overshadowed by The Rock. And, of course, his promos all sound the same, where, you know, you don't love the people and you abandon the people, but I'm here for the people and I'm the people and the people and the people. I mean, his whole promo last night, like I said, well, well good. It was definitely great by Cena standards. Um, you know, it's it just kind of rehashing the same old thing. And I don't, I don't think this feud has helped, this Twitter feud that they've had hasn't helped Cena either. It just goes to show you, I mean, we thought it was a terrible idea to announce it so early. And, you know, it's been executed worse than I could have imagined. I don't even know what they were thinking when they decided to make this feud a year in advance to make this match a year in advance. It was just terrible. The Rock shows up two times live on TV, maybe twice on on by a satellite or whatever the case is. How do you build a feud in in a, in a year between two guys when the guys are there what, what once or twice or or you know the one guy's there three times or so? But you know we're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to switch gears for a second, Sarah, because we have something far more important to talk about. We have someone far more important to speak with, Uh, we're joined by the one and only Lisa Marie Latino, which is, uh, you know, when I first spoke to Lisa, I actually thought she, that meant she was Hispanic, but she's not, she's also Italian. Uh, Lisa is the, you know, is part of a Long Shot Productions, and if I'm not mistaken, she's the founder and creator of it. So Lisa, how are you doing this evening?
3: Good, good. How How are you doing?
0: I'm doing fabulous. Thank you so much for it's joining just you, us tonight. Right? I was going
3: to say guys, but it's just you.
0: No, no, no. no, I, no my co is also on the air. Joe, my uh, my Italian brother over here is also on the air. So uh, we, are, yeah. you know, we wanted to we wanted to get How you, you on the air. You know? <laughs> How you doing? Time, Joe. Actually. How you go? I'm
3: doing good. I'm doing. I'm doing. Dylan. <laughs>
0: oh uh, yeah, yeah. I guess the right before you was also like uh, Italian, had a super Italian name. Zappatelli was her last name. So you know, we were we were kind of joking about that. Uh, Lisa, you know, tell us. You have your production company, like I mentioned, Longshot Productions. Uh, so many things to talk about, but let's start with that. Tell us about the company and what it is that you guys do.
3: Um. Well, I founded the company about two years ago, and we do you know all kinds of video production from. Corporate video, to stuff for people's websites, to event stuff, to a lot of um, red carpet interviews, and we develop shows, and it really runs the gamut. Whatever the client wants, we can basically provide.
0: Well, wow, that, that's definitely some good stuff. You mentioned uh, interviews and whatnot, and of course, we'll, we'll get into that in a second. But uh, you talked about doing everything, right? I know you've covered some big events in your day. I've checked out your website way before I, I before I even asked you to be on the show. And um, I, you know, I saw you on Twitter, checked it out, and you have quite a few interesting things on there. Tell us um, what what would you say so far if you could if you could narrow it down to one thing? What would your favorite event be that you've covered?
3: My favorite event. Um, yeah, if, if, if you could narrow,
0: narrow it down. Stuff? Yeah, yeah, or oh, anything. So I mean, hard. whether it's. <laughs> it's it's right, well, so
3: hard Because I've met Give me, I've gotten to give me meet, a couple I've gotten to meet um, So many great people uh, Gerard Butler, he was really cool He uh, walked For 9-11 across the George Washington Bridge On uh, I think it was the 8th anniversary Of 9-11 and he was really cool uh, Matt Balmer from White Collar, he was one of my first Interviews ever and you know, I told him that, that I was a little nervous and whatever, and we chatted for a while. He's like, oh, I admire, you know, everything that you're doing. I root for the underdog, and I'm rooting for you, and I hope to see you on, like, a bigger scale one day. And he's doing really well. Oh, wow. And obviously, all the sports people, I mean, I'm very immersed into that world. So any athlete or anybody like that I could talk to and uh, chat with is is great.
0: Now, do you have a least favorite event that you've covered?
3: Mm, no. No. I mean, I think everybody's been really cool. So I really can't I, – I don't regret anything. I, I don't have a bad thing to say about anything. <laughs> I've loved it all. So I, I, I'm just thankful for every opportunity I've gotten. So it's been cool so far.
1: Now, Lisa, your show was a little bit like ours where we just, you know, really cover – was not just sports, we tried to cover a lot of uh, mainstream things Now, what got you into all of the doing these type of things um as a fan as a, and as a reporter?
3: Well, that is originally what I wanted to do with my broadcast career um but when I started my company, it kind of took me in a million other different directions. But I always go back to my roots and my passion, which is writing, producing. Talking to people, I mean, I could talk to a wall for hours, so um, it always comes back to that. <laughs> I just love meeting new people and talking to them and finding out, uh, you know, just what makes them tick and, you know, what makes them interesting. It's weird being on this side of it, because usually no one's really asking me the questions that you, you know, usually be on the other side of it, but, um, you know, <laughs> but that's, that's really my passion. But with Long Shot, I mean, uh, besides the writing and all that, I mean, I'm editing, I'm shooting, i lighting, you know, it, it can get exhausting, but, I mean, you know, in the past few years, I've gotten a crash course in every facet of this crazy business, so I know that's going to work out well for me in the long run.
0: Cool. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's interesting because you, like Joe touched on, you do what what we do, but you do it on a different scale, of course, because you're doing the video and everything like that, but uh, I just I love the fact, like, I saw you interview Tiki Barber, Matt Bomer, like you mentioned, and... I just I just think that's so fascinating because, like Joe likes to say, and, of course, I'll, I'll let him say the rest of it there. Well, what's your favorite line about our show, Joe?
1: Oh, I definitely think we our niche at Pure Gold is that we interview the interviewers, and uh, that's a great thing. How
3: did you <laughs> guys come up with the name Pure Gold?
0: Joe, you want to take credit for this like you always do?
1: Yeah, I mean, I just randomly came up with a couple names, and I think it, the Pure Gold stuck, and uh, we've been PG ever since.
2: Oh,
3: that's cool. Why, do
1: you want that name? Or are you going to steal from us no, or something? No, no, I
3: was just saying <laughs> uh, oh, okay. it's an interesting name.
1: I just uh, okay, had a I conversation
3: did. with somebody. A name is everything. You know, you have to have a catchy name because if you have something that's front in the mill, people are going to forget you.
1: Are we catchy enough well, for you?
3: I, no, pure gold, yeah, you think, like, 14 karat gold. You think jewelry. You think rich. You think money. You think
1: exactly. Gold. Yeah, that's us. I mean, you got
0: us. Or you know, maybe well, on the other
3: side of the gamut, you think of those shady <laughs> places where you can trade your gold in for money. <laughs>
0: right. well, people can like of course people can of course give us money, and we'll, we'll give our services. Uh, you know, interviewing and radio and, and everything. <laughs> um, what's funny though is that the, the pure gold is also. Joe, Joe touched on this. We talk, touch on this. You know, our show. We don't, we don't curse. We don't want our guests to curse. We don't want the fans, or listeners to curse or anything like that. So we always like to say, you know, we keep it PG, which of course is our initials. So it's kind of like, uh, it, it's also a, a double, you know, double uh, facet type of thing. When when we looked up originally when we started the idea of the show and we decided to do a website, um, I looked up Puregold.com because that's what I wanted originally. But, like you said, that that's like a, it's either a gambling website or a trade-your-golden website. So I was like, all right, well, that doesn't go, you know, that doesn't work, so we have to change it, tweak it a little bit. But, uh, you know, Joe always takes credit for creating the name, so I'm not sure if that's really what happened. But, you know, my my uh, my co-host, that, that, that's what he likes to say. But, uh, you know, getting back to you, Lisa, because you're the subject of this, not us. You know, we're interviewing you. We're putting you on the hot seat. Um, I know. But us-
3: it's just, that's my nature. I, I just ask <laughs> questions and...
0: Well, that's good. I mean,
3: you um, you
0: mentioned uh, talking to Wall and stuff that you could do that. So, you know, good thing you have us to talk to, so you don't have to do that. Um, You you mentioned all the interviews, and of course, this is what we've been kind of going back and forth on. Um, Do you have a favorite interview that you've done, or do you have a least favorite interview? Now, I know you mentioned before about the events, and you have nothing bad to say, but have you ever had a bad interview? Something that just stood out in your head.
3: I really haven't. I think everybody's been very gracious, and I'm not just sugarcoating that. I, I think everybody's been great. I just uh, did the red carpet for the Jerseylicious season premiere. They just had their season premiere party the other day, and everybody was just so nice. I mean, why wouldn't you be nice? I mean, you're giving you're given such a great opportunity to be on TV and to promote your products or your services or whatever you're doing. Why would you want to be miserable? In that situation, uh, you know, you have, uh, if you do, then you're a very ungrateful person and you don't deserve to be there anyway. And I don't think you get that far to have a television show and to be that successful if you are like that. So, everybody I've met has been totally gracious.
0: Now, do you have an interview? Yeah, sorry, don't excuse me. Uh oh, I no, was this gonna this, say uh, no, I was just I was going to ask, do you have a favorite interview? But, of course, Joe also wanted to ask something.
1: No, I was going to ask, Lisa, have you ever had an interview where maybe an athlete had just lost an event or the team had lost and they just give you, like, one-word answers and you're like, uh, this is getting uncomfortable?
3: No, because I haven't, unfortunately yet, have had the opportunity to interview somebody live. Right after a game, usually when I meet athletes, it's at events and off the field. So no, I gotcha. haven't encountered that. I mean, I've encountered no. people that you know they were running out and they couldn't talk. But I mean, that's that's different. And no one's like ever snubbed me. Gotcha. Oh,
0: snubbing. Now you also, um, sorry, sorry. Go ahead.
1: I was gonna say that you've appeared on what I listen to every morning. I know my co-host doesn't, but you also appear on. The Boomer and Carton radio program. Um, you know, on that segment, do you know more than do you know more than sports? And I don't even know what that segment was that you were on. But what was that experience like? How did you get on?
3: Um, well, I worked at WFAN, um, and I still am affiliated with them. I work for the Giants radio network during okay. the season, home games. I do the pregame show in the parking lot, and um, then I help out in the booth, and then. I do some stuff for some uh, football blogs after the game, and, uh, yeah, I still have a lot of friends there, still keep in touch with all those guys, so Al Dukes, their producer, uh, we were talking on Twitter, and somebody thought we were talking, someone that followed ASS mutually, and told Al to have me on the show, and I said, no, you have, like, Playboy models, and Maximum girls on I'm like I don't Want to go on that <laughs> And plus I don't Like trivia Like I hate trivia I, I could talk sports For hours and hours It was just like Closed naturally You put me on the Spot and it's like Uh but so I didn't want To do it but I figured it would Be a good promotion And I haven't seen The guys in a while So I went down There and it was Awesome it was right After the Giants Won the Super Bowl And uh it- I had to warm up A little bit with The trivia but Then I got the Hang of it
1: Okay and how were how were Craig and Boomer in person? Like, uh, what what'd you what was your impression of them too?
3: Oh, they're great. What you see is what you get with any of those guys. With I don't know if you listen to the station earlier, but with Joe Benigno, Steve Summers, Mike Francesa, it's what no air, nothing fake. What you see is exactly what you get.
0: Wait, wait, wait a minute. What what is, what is Mike like? Because. I love. I mean, I love the fan Joe and I both do. We've both been uh, fans of the station, no pun intended, forever. But Mike, and I like his show, but he comes across, and I'm like, my dad hates his guts. Joe's dad also hates his guts, but, of course, they're hypocrites because they listen to him um, because of the way he comes across on the air at times. What is Mike like, uh, you know, on a personal level or even just, just off the air?
3: I think Mike is really nice. I think so. My first impression of him was he was more shy, like, in person, Um, not as, you know, what you see on the air. I mean, think about it. He's been doing it for so many years, and I think that's kind of, like, his shtick a little, so he needs to play up to that, and listen, the the proof is in the pudding. The ratings are still through the roof. ESPN Radio doesn't even come close to even getting half of what Mike says and what the fan does, so... Even though when Mad Dog left Everyone was wondering if Mike Would survive, if the fan would survive And they've flourished even more So, you know, people may Hate his attitude or he, they may hate The way he treats callers sometimes But he's obviously doing something right And he's the bull in New York
1: Right, yeah I mean, you you touched on A couple of things there, you, I mean when, when Mad Dog left um, I thought that was a big blow to WFAN, and, and then um, I started listening to Boomer and Carton because, you know, Carn's voice is pretty distinguished, and I mean, um, he almost reminds me of Mad Dog in, in the regard that you know he's like um, he's got full of energy. Um, but my co-host David over there on the other side of the glass will tell you that he doesn't <laughs> like he doesn't like when Carton calls you know girls doll or babe or whatever. Um, so, uh, did you feel like they were taking? Did you feel like he was taking this seriously?
3: Um, I don't know. I I don't know if he was calling me dot maybe because I went in there because he knew my background a little bit. Yeah. Because I don't think he was. He wasn't overly like he was. Maybe I just wasn't as hot as the other girls that have been on there. So I don't know. <laughs> but I thought he treated me with total respect, and I, I don't have a bad thing to say. I had such a good time with them on the show, and I was just telling sure. Al today. A lot of my girlfriends. I mean, they don't even know when. The football season starts and they think touchdowns are in basketball. But they uh, obviously, I have great friends, and they all watch the show or listen to the show and support it in May. And two weeks later, they're still watching and listening because they all find Craig Carton hot.
0: <laughs> Interesting. Oh, my God. Are you, your friends are online, they, What they are you are... talking
3: about? I mean, as soon as I got off the air, I had immediately five text messages. Who is the guy that you were on with? He is so good-looking and i'm like i guess i don't because i know them i don't think of them in that way i mean they're all nice they're all good-looking i guess you know no one's bad or anything but uh that was shocking for me (laughs) that my friends now two weeks later are still listening
0: well i hate to say this but i i i loathe craig carton and uh i mean his person i don't know what he's like as a person but i just get the idea that he would not be my type of person in real life and uh I mean, I hate to say, it, but I think your friends have bad taste in men. But that—that's that, besides the point. Um, Craig, what gets me is when he when you know he he calls you doll because that was one of the first things I picked up on. You know, he's like, "Hey, doll," and, and that bugs me because to me that that's a demeaning term to a woman unless you know the person personally and you're you're friends with them. Because he does it with all the women. You know, the, the times that I flip to the station because WFN is on my car all the time. When I come in the morning, eight thirty to go to work, that's what's on, so I put it on and Craig and Boom are always talking about something. And that's usually the do you know more sports than a hot cheerleader or a hot mom or a hot box of rocks or whatever the case is. And then when the woman is done, it's like, Hey doll, hey babe, hey this, hey that we actually interviewed somebody who was on the show and Craig literally insulted and berated her and then, you know, hung up on her and uh you know, so I, that's where I get it from. That's where my dislike of, of, of him for the most part, comes from, uh, you know, I love the station. I love most of the personalities, like you mentioned, Steve Summers, Joe Benigno, uh, even Boomer, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of Boomer. I, I think uh, they need to get Al a little bit more airtime, too, by the way. Al Dukes is, uh, is hilarious. I always loved his, uh, you know, he is. Al's Boring podcast and, you know, freezing garbage and all that stuff. No, he's he's very funny. But, uh well,
3: you know, everyone's uh, – you yeah, know, a lot of people don't didn't like Chris Mad Dog. A lot of people don't oh. like Mike. But again, the he's proof the is in the pudding. They're, obviously they struck a chord and they're doing something right. So,
0: no, you're absolutely right about that. See, that that's that's the thing. And if I ever got the chance to interview Craig, I would tell him I don't like your personality. You know, I'm not a fan of yours. But the one thing that I can't knock is that he's been extremely successful, especially at WFAN. Um, Chris, I loved Chris and I, and I loved Mike. They were great together. I think separately something is missing. I think that uh that there should be you know them together after doing this show for over a year with with Joe, who you know i 've been friends with Joe for, for about fifteen years now um, I realized that I prefer to listen to two people talking i like I prefer the back and forth the banter which is which is what Boomer and Carton do well, and what I miss about you know Mike and Chris. But you, like you said, you know, they're successful. They've been way more successful than most people, so love them or hate them. I mean, you know, they, they fans like them, and that's really what, all that matters. Now, you talk you, switching gears off of this, um, you're a big Giants fan. We, you know, we talked about this off the air. Um, let me know, let the fans know, what did you think of the Super Bowl, A and B? What was the pep rally like? The Super Bowl was
3: the most nerve-wracking experience. Ever, I have to go back and watch it because it wasn't a fun game to watch. I was petrified the whole time. Like I I actually hate the Patriots like more than I can't say hate them more than any of my NFC East um, competitors. But for some reason, I loathe them. I don't like Tom Brady. I despise Bill Belichick.
0: Preach it.
3: I, I just don't like, and I guess maybe because it's the Boston thing, am a the Yankees fan, So I guess I figure Patriots fans are also Red Sox fans, and I just don't want them to have any ounce of happiness. <laughs> so I did For the not most part, want yeah. to lose. I did not want to lose the New England Patriots, and when we went into the half down ten nine after having the ball for most of the first half and right, just right. wandering opportunities. And I, I was like, this isn't good. And then Tom Brady looked like he was catching fire. And I'm like, this is not good. And then when we came out of the half and they scored again, I was like, oh, no. I, it was just like, it was. I was like sick to my stomach over it. Um, but, I mean, obviously it doesn't matter because the outcome was t- definitely in my favor. Um, the rally and the parade were awesome. I did both. I was one of those crazies that hurried into the city and then got on a train and went back to the Meadowlands. Uh, the parade was really cool, but the stadium rally was amazing. Uh, there was about, I would say 40, 50,000 people there. It was like a game day. Um, I was on the field because like I said, I worked with the team. I was with a bunch of friends and just to be there with the confetti, falling on me and even though I didn't go to Indianapolis I got that experience there and it was amazing. I met Governor Christie, met all sorts of players. My friends from the Cape Boss were there. It was it was just a great day. Beautiful day. Wow.
0: Cake boss, oh that, that's that's pretty sweet. Uh literally, you know, p- pun intended. You know the as a as a Giants fan myself, um I watched the game, you know, same as you. I was I was at home watching it with my dad, and I didn't sit down for the entire second half of the, of the game, and uh, it was definitely nerve wracking. But it was such a great win. It was such a great experience. It's funny you mentioned the whole New England Boston thing, because my coworker at my day job, he's a Yankee fan, big Yankee fan, and he's actually uh he's actually one of the few. See, Joe and I we're Mets fans, and we loathe the Yankees, and and for the most part, they're fans, and. uh but the reason is because of the, the arrogance that a lot of them portray. Most of the fans, most of the Yankee fans that I've ever met, don't know sports, don't know baseball. I know more about the Yankees than they do. But my coworker, a huge, great baseball fan, great Yankee fan, and he's the same way as you. He literally will tell me, you know, during the day how he despises Boston. He, he, you know, same thing doesn't wish them any happiness, and he hates the Patriots and Tom Brady and this and that. So ah. I think it's funny that you carry over your baseball hatred into your football hatred.
3: Yeah, but, I I mean, that's got to be the reason because I've, like, sat down and, like, analyzed, why do I actually hate the Patriots so bad? (laughs) Because they're not in my division. They're not even in my conference. You know, it's different with the Red Sox because we're, you know, both in the AL East, but I don't even see them. So I don't understand why I have an intense hatred for them, but they're, like, right up there with the Cowboys (laughs) for me.
2: And it's weird too, because we
3: beat them. We beat them every twice. time we've seen them. We beat them. We beat, we beat them, them twice down the Super Bowl, <laughs> and we beat them in the regular season. But for whatever reason, yep. I just don't like them. So. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if it comes around a third time, of course, you you can kind of stir up the hatred. I have a feeling that we probably won't be seeing the Giants and the the Patriots anytime uh, in the future, as far as Super Bowls go. But you know, Lisa, why not? Um, before we well. I don't. I, I think after this, I can't imagine the Patriots getting back there. I, I honestly can't imagine the Patriots picking themselves off, uh, picking themselves up after a second giant beatdown. You know they they have to be demoralized. Tom Brady is sitting somewhere wearing his Uggs, sipping you know whatever he drinks with his wife, and she's cursing out Wes Welker. I just I got to think the Patriots franchise has oh, to be demoralized. God, how
3: annoying was that? Oh my God! When, <laughs> you know what it is, I love and this it is. a lot of people. We're very split on this. A lot of people said, you know, that's her husband. She has every right to be upset. She was emotional. Fine. But she's not some Joe Schmo off the street. She's an international supermodel. She was very aware of that camera being there. And she is also very aware that those comments would have gone viral. And they did go viral. And that's not right. You know, I understand you could be upset. Do it behind closed doors. And then yeah. the way when she flipped out about them and then she took that swig of water, like, all dramatically, it's like, shut up. Seriously, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll probably be divorced in five years anyway after Tom Brady retires and, you know, he's not the it boy anymore. And then they'll be divorced and that'll be it. Oh, well,
0: you know, uh, That's obviously. Prediction. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, I, I see that. You know, I, I definitely wish anybody gets divorced, but uh, I, I can see the whole over- Oh, no, of course
3: not, but... You know, you could just, like, tell. She's, like, in, like an opportunist, kind of. So that's yeah, the total I vibe I get from her.
0: You know, me personally, I've never understood the whole supermodel thing. And, uh, you know, I, I just don't get it. I don't get why the, why some of these women. They, to me, you could find a woman on the street, a natural, normal-looking woman who's better looking. But, uh, th- you know, that that's neither here nor there. Uh, Lisa, I would like to know if you can let the fans know. Again, I love I love the hatred for the for the Boston. You got to keep that going. But um, how can the fans keep in touch with you? How can they follow you? How can they know what's up in the world of uh, Lisa Marie Latino and Longshot Productions?
3: I guess Twitter. Twitter's the uh, the best way. I have two Twitters because I'm just that cool. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, You can follow my personal one and it's just my name at Lisa Marie Latino. And then uh, you can follow my production company as well at Longshot Prod P R O D for Longshot Productions. I mean that one's updated by me, by my staff and everything. But uh, if you want to follow me, follow me at my name, Lisa Marie Latino.
0: Lisa, we thank you so much for you know for joining us. We really appreciate you taking some time out, and we absolutely would love to have you on again in the in the future. Heck, in the near future, because uh, you know I'm fascinated by what what you do. I'm fascinated by the whole. You know, Longshot Productions, and uh, and just the fact that you 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 do a lot of the stuff that Joe and I would love to do, as far as you know, interviewing players uh, personally and talking to them and all that stuff. So you know, we we got to make sure that we keep in touch so that we can have you on in the future for when you when you do some other uh, interesting and, and cool things.
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on, and keep plugging away. It's all about grinding it out in this business, taking That's jobs great. that you maybe don't want to take and. Just going out there with a camera and a microphone and getting the interview that you want because the more you put yourself out there I believe, the more recognition you can get and hopefully one day a substantial network or show or something will pick you up. That's the goal. I know that's your goal, I'm sure, and as is mine.
0: Of course, of course. And of course, you know, we'd love to you know be, both be successful so uh you know, we can we can just, uh, you know, k- keep talking about the, the Giants winning more Super Bowls and all these other great things. Uh, Lisa, again, loved having you on, and, and, you know, you have a wonderful evening. Thank you so much.
3: Yep. Thank you, guys. Talk to you soon. Take
0: Thanks. care. That was Lisa Marie Latino, founder of Longshot Productions. Joe, I said it while I was talking to her. I loved the intense hatred she had for the whole Boston thing. I just think it's great when sports. People get get so passionate about it. I love it, and I absolutely love it, sir.
1: Yeah, she's definitely passionate about the, the anti-Boston, uh, you know, except for the Celtics, I'm, I'm almost with her.
0: Well, you know, sir, speaking of passion, and unfortunately we're going to have to, like, shift gears quickly because the show is coming to a, a close. We're going to have to go back to the WWE. I mean, we had two amazing guests today, sir. We, we talked about this briefly before Lisa came on. We talked about John Cena and his whole, that whole mess of a thing going on with, uh, with The Rock and John Cena. Here's a match many people are looking forward to. I personally am not looking forward to Cena and Rock. But, sir, here's a, there's another match that I'd like to talk about right now, and that is Triple H and The Undertaker. They made it official. They set up a hell in a cell for WrestleMania, and I, sir, can officially care less. The only way that this match would mean anything to me is if it was a loser must die match, which I've mentioned before, or if Shawn Michaels somehow got involved, which is not going to happen, and made it a triple threat. Um, sir, I just I don't see the point of, of watching Triple H lose for a third time at WrestleMania. It's just ridiculous to me a third time at WrestleMania to the Undertaker, and I honestly don't even see how the Taker wins because Triple H is in much better shape. He's younger. He's, he, he Taker looks like he's on his last legs. But he's probably going to go twenty and zero, and then what am I going to do, sir? I'm going to have to throw up on all your title belts because there's just I, I can't stomach this match a third time at WrestleMania.
1: Well, they they have made it a third match at WrestleMania, and you know, other than the fact that it is a hell in the cell, you're right. I am not interested at all. But you know, the the whole fact that these two guys are going to be bloodied and you know broken at the end of this match. It's kind of intriguing, I mean uh there's other co- there's other people that I know that were tweeting about it as soon as that Hell in the cell was announced, and you know we might and you know you said we haven't had a couple big spots at, in a hell in the cell match uh for the last couple of years, but you never know what these two guys it's wrestlemania they might have a huge Wrestlemania moment when somebody gets thrown off the cage or
0: and something guys- huge happens. <laughs> you never know <laughs> well, you know unless one of them goes through the floor see Justin was talking about this today. What's interesting to me, and I hadn't really thought about it until he mentioned it, is how exactly are they going to get the Hell in a Cell in the stadium? I mean, it's an open-air stadium. Whenever they do Hell in a Cell, it's always closed. It's hanging from the ceiling. There is no ceiling. So how in the world is, is the Hell in a Cell going to be hanging over the over the ring, sir?
1: Yeah, I'm sure that they're going to be able to have to construct it while they're doing some backstage stuff. They're, I don't know, they talk to somebody, like I said, the back area or something's going on because... You're right. There's, uh, it's an open arena, and they're going to have to just probably make it um, on the spot. And that, that should be interesting, how fast they make that cage.
0: You know, I just thought of, sir, if WrestleMania next year, of course, is going to be here at uh, MetLife Stadium, maybe Lisa will be there, and she can interview Pierre Gold live and in person before we go to WrestleMania, sir.
1: <laughs> that would be too sweet, definitely. <laughs> uh,
0: but, yeah, Joe, you know, th- this match will probably be good. It'll be better than last year's match. You and I both hated it. Everybody else seems to love it. But I just don't, I, I'm not interested. I don't want to see these guys. And I I mean, I may, be, I may go take a dump during this match because I, I honestly don't even care about it. There is a match, though, sir, that I do care about. But I believe the booking of it has gone terribly wrong. And uh, for once, Justin agrees with me. Justin went on his whole rampage today on his show about how he hated the Battle Royal main event, how it made no sense. And if Punk Jericho was the outcome that we all expected, why even go through that ridiculous Battle Royal? And it turns out that uh, Wade Barrett, dislocated his shoulder, I believe, or his elbow, and he's gonna be gone for about two months. So he's gonna miss WrestleMania because of the end of that match and Dolph Ziggler also got hurt, sir. So uh when I look at this, this to me screams SmackDown. It screams the B show. It does not scream Raw. I don't sit, I don't imagine guys doing a ten man bootleg battle royal to determine to, to determine the number one contender at WrestleMania on Raw. They did this battle royal it it doesn't even make sense sir. What the hell were they thinking? What they should have done and I touched on this when it happened, Sheamus should have not have won the Rumble. He should have been the one winning the Battle Royal on SmackDown for the shot at Daniel Bryan, which could have happened you know, on tonight's live show, SmackDown, or it could have happened you know, whenever sometime in the near future. Uh, Jericho should have won the Rumble, and that, of course, is something that Punk has never done. That could have uh, added to the fact that he could have said, you know what, I am the best in the world, and look, I've done another thing you haven't done which is win the Royal Rumble. And that should have been your feud for the last three months going into Mania, not this whole slop, mess, slop fest. The, sir.
1: Yeah, I mean, the first four matches that we've had announced for WrestleMania already, um, just the way they got to these uh, matches has just been putrid. I mean, we knew that Rock Cena, you know, we knew that for a year now, and that has been horrible because Rock has not been there full time. It just takes away from the whole feud, and then you have the whole uh Punk Jericho like you said it's just terrible that they have battle royal to determine who would face Punk at WrestleMania um and then you have Daniel Bryan versus Sheamus another um you know I guess you know Sheamus won uh, the Royal Rumble so he wants to face Daniel Bryan okay that that's that's a decent storyline because that's logical and then you have you know Triple H Undertaker part 3 I think the biggest storyline is Something that you haven't even mentioned is that the real life storyline of a anonymous wrestler texting a, I believe a website. There's there's some um, there's some unease there's some unhappiness in the the, the WWE locker room with The Rock uh, apparently.
0: Yeah, apparently sir, and I, I don't, I honestly don't understand. I honestly don't understand. I mean, I actually tweeted this. I, I emailed this to Justin and I tweeted him. So he, he mentioned me a couple of times on today's show. I don't understand why somebody, you know, how could you have no guts to say, I, I, all right, I get the fact that you can get fired over something like this, but if that's the case, don't say it. Keep it to yourself. Don't make it public. Why are you going to be texting randomly behind the scenes to text uh, PW Insider and tell them what you think about The Rock, but you're not willing to put your name to it? To me, that just screams somebody who, who has no guts. I honestly think it's a Miz. Because it's somebody who's got to be in, around the mid card level. Uh, because if you're if you're on superstars or if you're never on TV, why would you care about somebody to get their payday taken away by The Rock? It's got to be somebody who's on the cusp of the main event, or was a main event, or could be a main eventer. So that's why I'm saying it's probably the Miz or someone like a Dolph Ziggler, sir. I just don't understand why why even say this.
1: Yeah. Tell me if I'm over analyzing this as I'm thinking about this, or tell me if I'm it's just too big of an assumption. Is it safe to say that since The Rock was at that press conference for next year's WrestleMania, that he'll still be uh, with the WWE part time, and we'll know his opponent after WrestleMania 28, like the day after?
0: <laughs> uh, honestly, I don't know, sir. I I truly don't know.
1: Because it, I mean, if he's not going to be there full time, I mean, you know, can you imagine if they they pit The Rock up against I don't know? I mean, who would have already faced John Cena? I mean, the only other person he can face is potentially maybe The Rock. Uh, I mean, the, the CM Punk a year later, but are you going to face yourself, yeah, sir? <laughs> yeah, that would make no sense. But like, I'm I'm just wondering how that all works when you have like you know The Rock showing up to a press conference when he's not even a full time wrestler. And I could see why um, you know wrestlers would be unhappy because they're taking he's taking away. From you know their spotlight, where they're they're wrestling three hundred days out of the year, and this guy's wrestling what two or three times a year, and he's still in the main in the main event spotlight.
0: You know what though, sir? I mean, come on. You're gonna tell me that the Miz should be in a main event spotlight before the Rock or any other guy? I'd love to see Rock Punk, but like you said, it's tough when you have this type of a feud built up over Twitter and via satellite, et cetera, et cetera. It just doesn't work. I think what I actually read, though, sir, that there's a, there's a good chance that The Rock is going to wrestle at SummerSlam also. So if you have him wrestling at the big pay-per-views, that's kind of cool. But what I would like is just have The Rock tell him, look, you can make your movies, do whatever you want. We'll pay you whatever. Come out six months out of the year. Work half a year. Work a part-time schedule. You don't have to do too many house shows or whatever, live events as they call it. Do the All roles. Right. Um, and, and just, you know, under the, the, sir, The Undertaker is there. And, yeah, Hunter Taker has busted his butt. There's no doubt about that. But if you look at Taker's career, how many years, and I mean years, as in multiple, as in not just one, has he taken off due to injury or due to whatever? There was a time where he disappeared for 18 months. This he's been he hasn't wrestled or shown up on TV in an entire year at this point. Well, you know, 10 months to be exact. That's 28 months. That's That's like two and a half years almost. Then when you factor in all the other injuries, Taker has probably missed. He's going to be 20 at WrestleMania. In that 20 year span, he's probably missed like six years worth of time due to injury. So you know what? I don't want to hear it. And the truth is that you can. He barely wrestles. He barely appears. He barely does any type of schedule. Why can't The Rock do something similar? Why can't he do six months uh, out of the year, four months out of the year? He can still make his movies and he can still get that big WWE payday. Has The Rock ever faced Undertaker at WrestleMania? No, he's never faced WrestleMania. Well, when you, well, count there you the, go. that 20 times, well, sir, 20 WrestleMania matches. Five of them have seven of them have been against three people. So, you know, that's pretty much... That's more than a quarter of your matches uh, have been against the same guys.
1: I mean, you might as well just book book it now, sir. Rock, Undertaker, WrestleMania 29. I'd, uh, I'd, rather,
0: see, I'd rather see Rock, Punk, and I'd rather see Cena, Undertaker, to be honest. Or, heck, I, I wouldn't even mind seeing Chris Jericho against the Undertaker. That, to me, would be a great match because Jericho really could carry him.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree. and uh, I don't know why we're talking about WrestleMania 29. It's a year away, so... <laughs> I think that the a ball in this
0: one, sir. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, I just I just got a couple a couple of raw, raw things. Uh, Go ahead. You know, we talked about the whole Rumble thing. We talked about how Jericho should have won the Rumble, and I know you agree with me on that. But something else what, that what I find interesting, sir, Santino Morello was in the main event at, at the Elimination Chamber. I know fans like him. They think he's funny. But to me, this is unforgivable. Mark Henry competed last night in Raw. Why the hell wasn't Mark Henry in that match? Why didn't he replace Santino like the original plan was? Why would you? And then to have Santino be the last guy eliminated in that SmackDown match to me is a joke. How was, sir? How, how does the WWE do this to their fans? You're you're paying forty, fifty bucks, sixty bucks for a garbage pay per view, and then Santino is you know going to the to the end in in one of your main events. Come on, sir.
1: Um. Yeah, you have a point. I mean, Santino Marella has no you know has no reason to be in that. Elimination Chamber. I, I'm not sure what the WWE is thinking, and that's par for the course because most of the time I don't know what they're thinking. So I, you know, I can't defend their actions, sir. I cannot defend them.
0: Well, let me let's let's talk about this, sir. Something that is, that does not need to be defended is last night's Hall of Fame inductee, the one and only Ron Simmons, was announced as a, the the next inductee
2: <clears throat>
0: in the WWE Hall of Shame. I mean, the Hall of Fame, sir. This is well-deserved Ferran. He is the first black world heavyweight champion in history, which, of course, is no small feat. Um, we talked about this earlier, but really, that I can think of, there's only been four uh, heavyweight champs of African-American descent in the major promotions, and that would be Mr. Simmons, the, the Booker Man, Booker T, The Rock, and um, Mark Henry. That's it, sir. I mean, literally, that is it.
1: It is safe to say, and I do say this in a positive way, damn, I mean, it's about time Ron Simmons got in. Um, and I was just watching on YouTube earlier today. Um, I cannot watch it enough because I just think that the the match was great. The call by J.R. was great when, when he fought Big Van Vader in WCW on WCW Saturday night and won that World Heavyweight title in WCW. It was just a great moment. You saw the uh, the raw emotion from, from Ron Simmons that night when he won that title. It was just a great match, and I know that. So you you've seen it before too. Um, just uh, so happy for Ron Simmons. Uh, I know that most people in this generation know him from the APA and then you know doing that whole damn gimmick. But when hey. Ron Simmons was when he was in WCW, he was the man.
0: He was, sir. You realize that WCW in the South, sir, in the heart of the South, trusted him to become the the world heavyweight champion, sir. That power slam, one of the sickest power slams I've ever seen in my life. Ron is all muscle, as we know, still is in great shape. To power slam Big Van Vader, I don't care if he's running a hundred miles an hour. You still got to pick this guy up. Vader can run at me, and I wouldn't be able to power slam him. So that is no small feat. It's in August. It'll be twenty full years. Sir, since he won that title. And like you mentioned, in WWE, he had a lot of different gimmicks. You know, he was in the Nation of Domination. um, Then, of course, the Acolytes. And finally, he switched it over to the APA with JBL, who is probably going to be the guy to induct him. Um, I mean, he's a multiple-time tag champion in WWE. He won the tag titles in WCW. He is one of the best, Sir. And and like I said, he is an extremely well-deserved inductee into the Hall of Fame. And I'm, I'm very, very happy for him.
1: Yeah, only thing that he gets inducted in February... I don't know if that's me just overthinking things, but, you know, it is Black History Month, so good for Ron Simmons, good for him, uh, a legitimate guy, getting into the WWE Hall of Fame in a non-legitimate Hall of Fame.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. and He's actually in the College Football Hall of Fame, sir, um, which is a huge thing. I mean, I believe he was with the Hurricanes growing up, and, uh, you know, he's a a heck of an accomplished athlete, sir. Uh, Very, very happy for Ron, and uh, I think that... There. That would have to put a bow on this one because, you know, we got to end this. Damn, we got to end this show on a good note, uh, folks. We thank you so much for tuning in. We thank you so much for listening. Just, we really appreciate our guests. We had two fabulous Italian guests today. Um, Francesca Zappatelli. Where you can check her out, francescazappatelli.com. dot com. Of course, I'll be tweeting about it. So just check out the Twitter. She'll also be on our website. Uh, of course, Lisa Marie Latino, who's another great guest. She was, she was wonderful. So, I, you know, I honestly would love to have the two of them back on the air. I'd love to have Lisa live and in person when we get to our uh, plush studios uh, coming up soon. Because, of course, she has long shots; she could film it, and you know, maybe you know, give give us some exposure and, and give her some more exposure also. And uh, Francesca with her movie. I mean, I definitely want to check it out. I'd love to see it. And I mean, she was just so natural and so personable when she talked to us. She, you know, more so than most of our guests, she was so comfortable. Sir, so I loved it. I mean, we've had guests who one word answers two word answers not comfortable at all, but she was as comfortable as uh, as cool as the other side of the pillow, sir,
1: two Italians with two good heads on their shoulders
0: definitely oh we can't we can't include you in that, sir
1: but of course, thanks <laughs> no. to the
0: two of them <laughs> thanks to the two of them for coming on, we always appreciate our guests we love all of them you know equally think they're all great, and here on p g we like to treat everyone well, so of course. You, the listening audience out there, thank you because you are the most important. You are what makes this show great. You are what makes us pure gold, and we thank you for tuning in. Make sure to tune in next Tuesday night, where we will have Christine Brennan on with us. She is an award-winning, and I'm talking multiple, multiple awards. She's a USA Today, you know, columnist. I mean, she's just done so many wonderful things, and of course, we're looking forward to having her on the on the air with us next Tuesday. Uh, as of right now, she's the only guest that we have scheduled. We've kind of been booking back to back and belly to belly with uh, with multiple people, but you know we're we're working on different guests for the future. So it's going to be a great show. 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, as it normally is. Um, and just again, thanks to all of you for JB. This is DG of Pure Gold reminding you to always keep it P. G. And, of course, you got to throw this out for uh, Lisa Marie's favorite personality. Oh, what's but, name
1: of your uh, uh Pure Gold.
0: Pure Gold?
1: Yes, sir. i got
2: two words for you. Pure <laughs> Gold.
0: Good night, everyone.
3: This is Miss Pennsylvania USA 2011, Amber Joy Watkins. Make sure you tune in to Pure Gold every week. Check them out for yourself at puregoldpg.com. It is truly a show about anything and everything, and Dave and Joe tell it like it is. This is Brittany Don Brandon, Miss Arizona USA 2011, and Pure Gold is the best show on the radio. So make sure you tune in, check out the latest in entertainment, news, and sports.
0: Christ, if I was the commissioner, I'd be out there on Monday. Hit me out.
2: Gone. Where go? High
0: five.
1: I like turtles. Oh, uh, is that all? Is that all? Uh, you have a show on the internet?
0: And we. Out of your home, Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: Good night, everybody, once again.